Madame et Monsieur, écoutez bien. Welcome to Fashion Mode with Charles McDonald, brought to you in association with Force Magazine on World Radio Paris. Bonjour and welcome to Fashion Mode. This is the primetime fashion show for World Radio Paris, brought to you in association with Force Magazine. I'm Charles Daniel MacDonald and I will be hosting the show exclusively for World Radio Paris. Coming up on this show, we're going to be taking a look at the latest fashion features to emerge from the Parisian and European fashion scene. This week we're going to be looking at everything from the legendary La Perusse's fashion party and Azadine Alaya's bookstore to Yves Saint Laurent's childhood sketch exhibition and unravelling the secrets of Maison Margiela. Legendary Parisian restaurant La Perusse reopens with a masked fashion ball. There was a commotion on the left bank of the Seine on Wednesday evening, just as the golden hour was setting over the Parisian bridges. Cars slowed down to take a good look at La Perusse, the 1766 founded restaurant patronised by Colette, Serge Gainsbourg and Kate Moss. Known for its cosy alcoves and secret entrages, the institution has reopened under new ownership and marked its rebirth with a decadent masked ball, complete with corset-wearing dames and huge torches greeting and highlighting guests at the packed entrance. Proudly standing under the midnight blue facade, new owner Benjamin Patou of Momo Group welcomed guests, including Dior's creative director, Maria Grazia Churi, Chief Executive of Christian Dior Couture, Pietro Beccari, French actor Alain Shabat, and authors Frédéric Beigeberder, as well as a very dressed-up Adriel Lombast. I went through my closet and tried to find items that would be the most fitting for a must ball, said the actress, who was wearing a very John Galliano-type corset dress, towering Christian Louboutin boots, and jewellery by Vincent Darry, who was escorting her for the evening and also wearing a rabbit mask. This place has the libertine aspect of the 18th century, the decadence of the 19th century and a little touch of discretion thanks to the alcoves. She continued, pausing to greet a spectacular-looking Freda Kefler wearing a green dress with a matching feathered mask. There aren't many places like this in Paris. French film director Claude Lelouch obviously felt the same way. He chose the event of that evening as the setting of his next film, Les Fantoises de la Lepereuse, or The Ghosts of La Perouse in English. Tailing actor Christophe Lambert as he made his way from room to room, his film crew fighting through the crowded bar up to a removed alcove where cosseted figures were lounging on one of the many tables. It's hard to imagine such a Parisian mammoth. Its charm mainly resided in its mustiness and strong historical heritage, said the designer, who is openly working on a second project with Momo Group after Frau Frau, the restaurant he opened in Patou in September. I'm quite taken with the result. I love the 70s style textiles and the fact that there are famous people in every corner, even though, I'll admit, it's quite easy to get lost in all these rooms. 
Arnold, CEO of Berluti and Head of Communications and Image at LVMH Moy Hennessy Louis Vuitton, is one investor in the Parisian establishment, the first time he has dabbled in the restaurant industry. La Perouse is a Parisian legend, said Arnaud, who used to frequent the restaurant before its renovation and was personally contacted by Poitou for the project. I didn't want such a mythical place to lose any of its sheen and I wanted everything to retain modernity, so I figured I should do something about it. As a result, the restaurant underwent a serious facelift. The creator of director of Baby Dior and Dior, Maison Cordiella de Castellan, was tasked with dispensing the heavy drapes, the faded carpets, to bring a bit of glamour to the historical establishment in collaboration with the director, Laura Gonzalez. Rich tapestries and fresh flowers adorned every surface of the rooms at the new La Perouse, accessible by secret corridors and candlelit staircases. Tables were heavily prepared with dishes by former Apicetus owner Jean-Pierre Vigato, who was brought in to take over the kitchen, with desserts provided by Patissia and French TV star Christophe Michalak. The entire lower level of the restaurant was transformed into a spacious wine cellar, which will house no less than 10,000 bottles. In each private salon, there is a tiny switch that allowed clients to shut the doors of the alcove where they were in, so not to be disturbed, not even by the waiters. Patel explained this at a lunch announcing the project back in April. The switch has existed since the restaurant's beginning, and we are keeping the tradition. It allows guests to remain in complete intimacy, to do whatever they can, and to fantasise about doing it within a private salon. It's best we don't go into any more detail. Yves Saint Laurent's childhood sketches are going on display in Paris. The Yves Saint Laurent Museum in Paris is shining a light on more than 60 never-seen-before images by the famous designer, when he was a teenager, as well as a series of photographs, until the 9th of September. The works which will explore all of the designer's biggest passions, from literature to fashion, offer visitors a peek into the promising beginnings of one of the most iconic French couturiers of all time. Yves Saint Laurent passed away on the 1st of June 2008. Nine years later, in homage to the well-loved designer, Two eponymous museums opened in Paris and Marrakesh. In the Parisian version, a new exhibition with over 60 of the designer's adolescent sketches will be made available to the general public. While most of them never being seen before in the public eye, these works were made whilst the youngster grew up in Oran until his arrival in Paris in September 1954. The series of sketches will be joined by other archival photos from his travels to Marrakesh. Allowing visitors to discover Yves Salaron's humble beginnings and his interest in the arts, from literature to theatre, ballet and of course fashion.
Azidena Laya Association to open a Parisian bookstore. La Librerie, the new Maison Alaya bookstore within the late Couturier's house on 18 Rue de la Vernerie, Paris, will open its doors on November the 10th. A cafe will also open in the space, which used to house a small boutique run by Alaya's twin sister, Hafida, in January 2019. Lining the bookshelves of the shop, which is furnished with treasures from Alaya's private collection, will be rare works from the fields of fashion and photography, and toms from artists who held personal significance of the designer. Everything is a one-off, or very rare and difficult to find. Carla Susani, a lifelong friend of Alaya's, who co-founded the Azadeen Alaya Association Art Foundation together with Alaya, and his partner Christoph von Wey in 2007. The recently told WWD, it makes the place a destination and also gives a sense to the bookshop, because Azadeen was a collector. It's nice to have a bookshop where young people can come and pick up something inexpensive and where collectors can come and find something special. The association, which will be renamed the Azadeen Alaya Foundation, will also continue publishing books. One focuses on Alaya's much-publicised kitchens, the heart of his world, and another telling the story of Maison Alaya, a slated to launch at the end of 2019. When the revered creative passed away in November 2017, it was clear that his impact on an industry that he had helped to define was colossal. But, thanks to those whom he loved the most, his vision lives on for generations to experience. A new exhibition unravelling the secrets behind Maison Martin Margiela opens in Paris. Since the brand's inception in 1988, Maison Martin Margiela has always been shrouded in mystery. Why does the head designer refuse to make his identity public? And why do his atelier employees wear white lab coats? Well, a new photography exhibition in Paris aims to unravel some of these mysteries. La Femme de la Cabine, Martin Margiela, 1997-2004, is comprised of unseen photographs taken by Jonathan Malham of Maison Margiela's female employees. From the 1990s to the 2000s, it opens today in Paris and runs until the 25th of July. Located at the Creative Studio in Halpop in the 11th arrondissement of Paris, the exhibition is open by appointment only. I started this series of experiments in photographic portraiture in Paris in 1997 in the 18th arrondissement. Working from my apartment, I built a makeshift darkroom in my bathroom, the photographer told Dazed magazine. The photos were taken on a vintage camera without negatives, giving the images a dark and eerie feel. Though the images do depict the faces of Margiela's atelier workers, the house's mysterious identity is maintained through the exhibit's blurred and nondescript photographs. It's almost like the spirits of the people are contained within the pictures, he added. Jean Saint-Michel, the show's curator 
and Halbop workshop director and creative partner, explained to WWD, we wanted to piece together a story that incites emotional intelligence and challenges today's notion of oversharing and the bombardment of visual information. Adidas fails to expand trademark on its iconic three-stripe logo. You'd be hard-pressed to find someone who couldn't instantly recognise Adidas' three-stripe logo. From the football pitch to the streets, the logo can be found in a multitude of places, worn by many a person, famous and normal. However, popularity aside, the sportswear brand's logo has been ruled by the European courts as not distinctive enough to expand its trademark three-stripe design. The German sportswear manufacturer failed to prove that the mark has acquired, throughout the territory of the EU, distinctive character following the use had it been made of. The General Court of the European Union ruled on June the 19th that the mark is not a pattern composed of a series of regularly repetitive elements, but an ordinary figurative mark. Therefore, it is not distinctive enough to be given wider legal protection. The ruling is just the latest in a decade-long dispute between the manufacturer and the Belgian shoe company, Branding Europe. As Adidas wants a wider trademark for three parallel equidistant stripes of equal width applied to the product in whichever direction. The court said it upheld a 2016 decision made by the European Intellectual Property Office to annul a previous acceptance of the trademark which the brand registered in 2014. The same court ruled shoe branding Europe's own trademark invalid too, saying the stripes were too similar to that of Adidas. It's not the first time a brand has been involved in such a ruling. In 2018, Christian Louboutin fought to protect its signature red shoes in the European courts. Additionally, Nike filed a lawsuit against sportswear brand Puma accusing it of using patented shoe technology without permission. In Paris, Hector Bellerin swaps the football pitch for the Louis Vuitton catwalk. The lines between fashion and football have been blurred once again at Virgil Abloh's Louis Vuitton show. In amongst a slew of models was longtime fashion fan and currently injured Arsenal and Spain defender Hector Bellerin. I'd been asked before, but I didn't think it was the right time. And then when I got the news that Virgil wanted me to walk for his Louis Vuitton show, it was a no-brainer. The 24-year-old told Vogue post-show. I was on holidays, but I needed to go regardless, and I'm very happy to have walked. It felt very good. Think of the process of lining up for a show, waiting on the moment you're ready to step out, 
Parallels could be quickly drawn between modelling and the moments leading up to a football match. To be fair, the feeling when I was lined up behind everyone was walking a bit feeling like when I'm on the tunnel. I haven't felt that in so long since my injury in January, so it was quite nice to have something to look forward to. It is kind of like the start of a football game, and when the music started it felt very familiar. But then everyone made it very easy and very natural for me to walk. While the experience was clearly something Bellerin was honoured to participate in, the call of modelling isn't quite so strong as his desire to get back on the pitch. For me, playing a game is the best thing ever and you cannot compare it. The two things, walking in the show, was something that I really wanted to do and I was very happy to be able to do. This experience wasn't the first time that the Spanish native has been asked to walk in a show, but it was the first time he actually wanted to do it. I don't know if I would walk again. This opportunity came at the right moment, with the right designer, at the right house. It was almost as though the clients aligned, so I couldn't say no. I'm very happy and grateful for the opportunity Virgil gave me, although I could never say never. And finally, hailed as one of the world's biggest ever fashion tributes, Carol Forever, the multi-layered tribute, took place in the Grand Palais in Paris earlier this week. On screen, Carol Lagerfeld was laughing from the depths of a wobbly stomach in the days when he still had one, as he tried to express himself in all three of his languages. German, his mother tongue, French from a life in Paris and Monaco, and English from his international life. That was the moment that touched me the most, said Sylvia Venturini Fendi, who since the age of seven had watched Carl at work, joined the design team at 15, and worked directly with him from the age of 21, until two days before the designer's death back in February. But Carol was still with us in all those bold images on the walls of the Grand Palais. Everywhere was that face with its juicy lips, thick hair, whether as a young man starting his career, or more recently with silver hair to match his fluffy white Berman cat Choupette. Robert Carson, an artistic director for Dreams for Theatre and Opera, created Carol Forever, a tribute that was both humorous and touching, but also did justice to his life at Chanel for some 30 years and an unimaginable 54 years at Fendi. On a minor key was the designer's work for his old namesake, K.L. Weibo. The Grand Palais was filled with the famous, from Caroline Princess of Hanover, to the actress Tilda Swinton, who read from Virginia Woolf's Orandun stage, while Heron Mirren quipped extracts from the designer's book for Flammarion, The World According to Carl. The lively newest and varied performances on screen, not least from the late designer himself, wove the story. I feel everything I do is for the first time and the last time was one of the designer's raison d'etre. But the event also came to real, three-dimensional life with performers stepping out of the digitally filmed world. There was Pharrell Williams leading a merry song and dance on stage, 
and Chinese concert pianist Lang Lang playing live under the soaring glass dome of the Grand Palais. The grand piano was designed by Caro himself in 2003 for the 150th anniversary of the famous Steinway Company. Although the designer did admit that his love of music did not mean that he himself could ever be a performer. The imaginative presentation was the essence of Carol, a designer restless for the new, living for his work and building around each house a trusted team of supporting workers, including at Chanel, Virginie Viard, his right-hand woman, who has now taken over as creative director. The idea of including Team Carol from its most humble or private as well as the famous was a feature of the film. How can we celebrate this Renaissance man, taking inspiration from the past whilst always looking to the future, was Carson's quest. He gave his own answer, through a tapestry of videos of him throughout his life, interwoven with numerous short interviews with people he inspired. The patchwork of stories from a varied spectrum of people gave an intimacy to the overall message and included the drama and fun that make up the fashion world. The overall show gave recognition to the humbler members of the support team whose comments could be more revealing than those of the famous. Amanda Kalich, the designer's muse and intellectual provocateur, described Caro's work as dream steps. But speaking after the screening, she revealed the designer's tougher side. He would call me super lazy because I just didn't get on with it, she admitted. He would say... Don't hang around, just commit, get out there. The mix of the designer's own sharp and often witty words with those of the on-screen contributors, who included, among so many, artist Jeff Koons and French actress Fanny Ardent was exceptional enough. But the addition of a multi-layered audience, all of whom had been touched by the designer, added personal emotions that will be remembered forever. I hope that you can join us for the next show where I will be looking in our style feature at the emerging trends, styles and news that develop within the French capital as we dive into the summer season. With more details and features to follow, you can catch up with all the fashion news on www.forcemagazine.com and Force Magazine on Facebook Twitter and Instagram. Until the next time, keep your fashion mode on.